If you've ever loved an addict, you may have reached an exhausted, painful point where you felt broken and were struggling to just keep it all together. I am Kim Moore, and this is Smiling Again, where in each episode we remind you that you are not alone. Together, one thing at a time, we will take small steps to introduce little changes into your life to help you let go, break free of guilt, and live with self-compassion so that you can feel good on the inside and start smiling again. Welcome to another episode of Smiling Again. Today, I have a very special guest with me, and I'm quite excited about this episode. With me is Celeste, uh, Celeste Yvonne, who's a very popular author. Uh, She's also a personality, and she writes very openly about all things parenting. And this last year, she had one post in particular called Dear Husband, which went viral to tens of millions of readers around the world. And she was sharing her frustrations with the workload for moms, you know, the pressure that we all feel. It's not easy uh, trying to run the household and especially when you return to work. Celeste speaks very, very openly and honestly about these things, which really, really resonates with me. And in 2018, she spoke openly about her struggles with alcohol and announced her commitment to becoming a sober mom for the sake of her health and her family. And today we are going to talk about, we're going to talk about Made, the really, really incredibly popular Netflix series. So before we dive into that, Welcome, Celeste. Thank you so much for joining me here today. Thank you, Kim. It's just so nice to connect with you. It's really nice to be here. And I'm especially excited about this topic because for anybody who has seen or heard about this TV series, it's, it is immensely unique in not just the subjects it's covering, but also the way it conveys some very heavy, heavy things, including the mental load of motherhood that I, something I write about quite a bit. So I'm really excited to kind of dig in because there is a lot uh, to cover. There is, there's so much. (laughs) So now before we go into some of the thoughts here, just one question for you, which I was thinking about was, why do you think it's become so popular? It's not a light subject. It's not an easy watch, is it? It's not. It's the, in fact, I'm trying to convince my mom to get past episode one. Like she watched episode one. I'm like, you got to keep going, mom. I know it's heavy. I know it's hard, but it's worth it because it's covering subjects that many, many mothers can deeply connect with in a way that's never been visually explained or identified in the way it has been. And I think that's what makes it so provocative. The way they are able to convey this main characters, uh, and it's based on a true story, but Alex, the main character, the, the weight she has on her shoulders of being a mother, of trying to be the best she can be for her child, of seeing the, the generational cycle coming back into her own life as a parent of trying to break those generational curses. And then of her just trying to survive the day to day of how am I supposed to be three places at once? How do you expect me to have a job 
and watch my child. These are all conversations that I think, even if we haven't had it with our family or friends, we're thinking it. So the way that the show is able to portray a lot of that is very well done. It's very uniquely portrayed too, and visually. And I think that that's why so many people are talking about it and connecting with the show. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I think there's something in there that everyone can identify with. Definitely the aspects around motherhood and trying to juggle everything and get it right. One of the things that I got a little bit frustrated about, if I'm honest, is when I hear people talking about MAID. There was so much focus on the domestic violence, which rightly so there should be. But very few people mention the uh, the addiction, the, mm-hmm. the, the alcoholism that's happening And why do you think, what are your, I have my thoughts on why, why do you think that is sort of there in the background, but not really discussed in the conversations that we're hearing people have around MAID? It's definitely a secondary theme throughout the show. And I like that it's a secondary theme because in so many of our lives, it's just that white, that, that elephant in the room that we all, it's always there. We always have to deal with it. It's, it's an underlying theme in most of our lives, whether it's our own addiction or a family's family member struggle, we kind of just have to work around it. And I almost love that it's not one of the primary themes of the show because it really spoke to me as an adult child of an alcoholic that that's how I lived my life too. You know, my father's alcoholism was in and of itself, its own character in my, my life's film, but it wasn't the main character. It was just some, something we had to deal with day in, day out. And I don't know if that was the intention of the way they did the show, or if it was more of, you know, we, we only have so much time, folks. We can only cover, you know, one subject at a time. But I, when I look at it like that, it, I, lo- I think it's brilliant because for many of us, alcoholism is a primary character, but for many of us too, it's a secondary character as well. And I think they did that so well and and it's always there it's always sitting there and it's it's never nobody ever talks about it outright and that's so true to many of our lives too yeah we didn't have those frank conversations with the alcoholic in our family it it, you didn't talk about it you walked around it yes on eggshells exactly exactly so, so I do think that they portrayed that really well. And I, I, I feel it was intentional because I always describe alcoholism as, or alcohol being sneaky because yes. it's just such a big part of our lives and go on, have another drink. It's just part of our culture. We all accept it. And many people just don't appreciate the, the impact, the just destructive ability that it has. So I I think they portrayed it in a way which is quite real, that it's there, the unspoken thing that's pulling lives apart, but but you don't talk about it. Yes, but you feel it. Uh, You can see and feel the main character, Alex's struggle with seeing her alcoholic partner coming home with the weight she's wearing and 
burdening over how do I protect my child? What, 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 are, is, what are we walking into today? Just that heaviness that comes with family of addiction is so well portrayed. It's probably the, I think it's the best way I've seen family of addiction and that sense of heaviness and unease and deep worry for our own safety portrayed in media. And I, I loved how they, how they did that. Mm-hmm. I thought it was done very, very well too. And, and also the, the memories and how you perceive things that are happening, the things that you forgot mm-hmm. that then come back because there's just so much stuff that you push away. And that was very, very evident in Alex's character. Now, shall we talk about how it portrayed her thinking? So, God, her her mental health and everything that she was going through. One of the things that I really felt all the way through is anytime she had anything to do with paperwork, Mm -hmm. you know, legal, 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 (laughs) legal. The way that was done. And I think that, you know, I've had friends who have mentioned things like that and I'm not sure that people understood. I think they took it literally rather than actually seeing that that's her head, just not understanding what she's reading and not having the capacity to cope and to comprehend what's in front of her. Just that feeling of being completely overwhelmed with legal, 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 legal. What, how did you feel about how that was portrayed? Oh, I mean, it was brilliant. Again, the way that they were able to convey how, so many of the things that the main character had to deal with in the situation she was in wasn't in her scope of what she knew or went to school for or was educated in. And yet she's expected to fit into this mold and speak for her rights in the court of law and fight for her, her child's and um, custody, but how, I mean, logically it's not, it's not possible. And I think it speaks to, you know, some of the, the problems we have socioeconomically with privilege. And when you don't have the finances to get a good lawyer, how do you get your rights met? How, how does the system kind of break apart or fall apart for people who don't have the the money to to get a representative to take care of their rights and needs and advocate for them. The court of law examples is just one way that they portrayed some of the, the challenges she was facing with also, you know, trying to get government support. I, the way that they visually show her trying to break down her finances in her head mm. They, they got very, whoever they is, right? The director or the producer or the characters themselves, they had a very unique way of describing and showing what was going on in Alex's head throughout the show without having to spell it out. Like it, it became visually, it was really obvious what, her, what she was struggling with and how she was feeling without having to explain it to the audience. And they, they were very creative in that way. And it was a very unique way of kind of representing how a single mom has to go through this system, how even the way they portrayed depression, like when she is struggling with depression and she is sitting on the couch at one point and you see her melt into the couch 
much. And anyone who has struggled with depression knows that feeling. But to to visually show that without having to literally say, I am struggling with depression was brilliant. I mean, they did such a good job um, representing that. Yeah, it was really, really well done. And some of the things that I could really, really clearly identified with is just the, the, the chaos in your head. Yeah. And the doubt, the doubt that you have over your own actions, which then leads to repeating patterns of behavior. And it's all because of, you know, you're just so foggy and you're just so full of, you know, everything clouds your thinking, everything clouds your judgment and your decision making. It's really hard to get it right when you've got so many important decisions to make and you just can't think clearly because of your the state of your mental health and everyone around you is telling you Mm. the right way what you're doing is wrong why can't you trust me I, I mean every single character in this in this story they they put Alex in a state of distrust because they're human right there's no there's no hero in this story. I mean, I guess you could argue Alex is the hero, but even she has her own struggles she's dealing with. But every uh, secondary character in this story has their own demons. And Alex needs to figure out what, who to trust, how much to trust them. And she still gets burned, you know? Like she still gets burned every time. And it's, it's heart-wrenching, but it is so true to life because we're all human there there's no good guy and bad guy right we're all just somewhere in the middle trying to trying to do what what we believe is the best thing we can do Mm -hmm. absolutely and I think that kind of leads on to you know another conversation around you know the characters and there's no black or white it's there's no good or bad they are just people and the way Sean was portrayed and you could feel her feelings towards Sean through the good and through the bad and the flashbacks to those 11 moments. And then the current day and everything that was happening. And, and even when he was sober and trying to support her with her mom, I mean, it was just heartbreaking. So you could, you could feel all of that. And, and, feel the, and roller coaster, Ryan. the other thing was, Sean was a great guy. Everybody loved Sean. How could Sean be emotionally abusive towards her? He's a good guy. Right. He, he was best friends with her, with her dad, like everyone inside of Sean. And even as a viewer, you start to kind of love Sean and it's only through the flashbacks and the substance abuse that you see like Sean is struggling. Sean's got his own demons. Sean wants to be a good guy too, you know, like, and this is anyone who has lived with an alcoholic knows how this feels. Like you, you want to love this person. You, you know, they, they want to be sober too, and they want the right thing for their children and their family, but alcohol robs them of that and alcohol is unpredictable and powerful and you see that inner fight in Sean Sean and that character very well Mm -hmm. Um, that the the good the bad and the ugly 
Mm-hmm. Yes, I thought it was really, really well done. And it was something that I, I personally found quite difficult to watch. Mm-hmm. Um, because in, in my life, it's my husband who was an alcoholic and he was an amazing man. He was a loving, good man and a good dad. But he had an illness. He was an alcoholic and it meant it wasn't always easy and it was quite difficult a lot of the times which made it difficult for me to make decisions and I could see all of that and felt all of that with with Alex Mm. so it was was quite a quite a hard watch now talking about family because I think that not just family just support in general and having a support system around you I think I think Maid portrayed that really well, the, how important the need for support is, the sort of support that she had from her family and friends or not, the lack mm-hmm. of support. And then Regina being this character that comes you know, to her rescue, really. And it was yes. her support that helped Alex potentially get out of the situation. So what, what are your thoughts on support systems and and how that was portrayed I I think that I mean again what an interesting way they did it um support can be unpredictable right Mm -hmm. support has layers you know when in the beginning when she's trying to get help from her dad and we don't understand why she has this wall up and you don't understand it for many episodes Mm -hmm. And it all starts to make sense, right? And you see that, you know, there is years and years of history here. But with Regina too, who we really see a character evolution for her and we see her own struggles. But in the beginning, some, some might call her the bad guy. She, I think even Alex referred to hers as the cunt house. Yeah. <laughs> so there's many layers to Regina too. And then I think about some of the characters or one of the characters she met at the domestic violence house who she connected with and she's friends with and she just disappears and then Mm. up into each other in a couple episodes and she's like a totally different person. Um, So I feel like so often, like especially in TV, maybe movies as well, character characters and character development are either very plateaued or they evolve upwards but in made it's a roller coaster the characters have their good days and their bad days alex can count on them sometimes and other times she can't and that is so true to life again like it's mm-hmm. this it's not always going to be progressing upwards and there are days when you can count on your family for help and support and other days you can't. And I think that's another reason why people felt very deeply connected to the show Mm -hmm. uh, because it touches on family and friendships in a unique way that we don't often see from the media. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Well, that's a good point. And you know, if we, we talk, mentioned her dad and, you know, the memories that she uncovers about her, her dad and what her mom had faced with her dad. So if we talk about the generational cycle, mm-hmm. the, the curse, 
and you know her her determination to break it and to build a better life for her child what what did you feel seeing that portrayed being a mom having two kids of your own and you know we both know that struggle to do the best that we can to protect them and to break this cycle yeah, I think one of the the biggest struggles when you are trying to do something that you feel like in your gut is the right thing to do, but people are pushing back on you and friends or family are saying that's not the right answer or think about your children, you know, it it's hard not to keep listening to that intuition and gut. And when it comes to addiction, it adds a whole nother element because you see somebody trying to to recover or they're going through the motions of recovery and you're thinking, well, maybe things are better now. But ultimately when Alex in as this character listened to her gut, it took her to that same place where she started. Wait, I know what I need to do. I know what I need to do for my child. It just took her a really long time to get there. And I think that is very relatable, especially to many of us who are struggling uh, with addiction, me personally and my own addiction story I think I knew a long time ago that alcohol was not the answer. It was leaving me in a worse place than where I started. But I had to keep going through the the mess ups and falling back into the same system and the same making the same mistakes and waking up with the same hangovers to to finally get to the breaking point where I was ready to make a big change and um, do something that intuitively I knew a long time ago I needed to do. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think, you know, when you look at Alex's story in Made, um, the, the aim from the very first episode is I want to break this cycle. I want what's best for my child. And every day it's her trying to figure out what that's going to look like. And how am I going to get there? And I think anyone who struggles with addiction feels a similar kind of a push and pull internally. Like, what is this going to look like? How am I going to get there? For me, it was, is this a quitting cold turkey thing? Or do I just learn how to moderate? Is this me going into recovery? Or do I just take alcohol out of the equation? Like, there, there it becomes very so many questions that come from that first choice of how do I make my life better? How do I improve this life for my family? And one day at a time, you just start to figure out how this is going to look and how this is going to work to get to that right place and to do the next right thing, which is something in recovery we talk about a lot. Don't worry about what tomorrow is going to look like. Just do the next Mm -hmm. right thing. And I think that's what Alex is trying to do throughout this whole series. Um, the first right thing that she did is what got her to the last right thing we see in at the end of the season. It's all a series of decision-making. Yes. And right, I mean, decisions that at the time made sense mm-hmm. and right decision for her. And long-term, it didn't work out, you know, it's just, yeah. it's so, it's so true because that's kind of how we all get to where we are today. In hindsight, 
we shake our heads at some of the choices we made. But at the time, it was the the best choice we had. Mm-hmm. Thank thank you for sharing that. I know that's not easy to talk about these things all the time. The last thing I wanted to touch on as you are an author and you write so beautifully, Alex was a writer too. How did you perceive her writing through all of this story? Again, the writing was kind of, they played it as a secondary theme, which was really interesting because obviously the entire book and then this TV show came from the fact that she was a very good writer. Mm-hmm. I think I'm reading a lot right now about the power of journaling and its ability to open up our insides. In fact, I just w- listened to a podcast about writing as a means of almost self-therapy. And I, I think that for me, it brought up all these questions to me. Why do I write? Um, who do I write to? And who do I write for? And I believe that the power writing has is to be able to convey a story or to tell your story without disruption or interruption or somebody skewing it to whatever storyline they want to convey from it, which is something that when you're having a conversation, you can really lose a lot of this, your voice and the point you're trying to make. And it's a way to release an uninterrupted, almost subconscious dialogue that's happening inside of you onto paper. And that is a very unique style of conversation that we don't really have an opportunity to do otherwise, unless we're just talking out loud in the shower, right? In a day-to-day conversation, you can't just say how you feel without somebody responding or agreeing or disagreeing. And it, it's a way to release yourself and your thoughts in a very raw style and sense. Um, and that is essentially how I write and why I write. It's not for lack of pushback or (laughs) criticism or a disagreement because I certainly get those, but I get them in the comments. And I think that's the power of writing and storytelling is you get to shape that narrative and you get to speak that story. And for many of us, I feel like, especially if you're a mom, being able to say something without interruption or without pushback is a very rare, special gift. And that's why I think so many people talk about the power of journaling to unleash and, and break through a lot of these chains that we have either built around ourselves or that friends or family or strangers and acquaintances or the general public try to put around us to hinder or to tame us, as Glennon Doyle would say. And storytelling has that power. And the writer I've made obviously was able to capture that not only by writing this book, but by including the writing element into this sub theme 
And I think it has a very important message that we can all get from it, which is there is a therapeutic element to sharing our story. There is a journaling can be a means of healing, but also, and this is, this is what I believe as sharing our stories out loud has a way of connecting us in ways we did not even know we were capable. I mean, the fact that you and I are connecting right now and talking just through storytelling speaks in and of itself. And for so long, I feel like we have been told, be quiet, sit still. Nobody, nobody cares. Nobody wants to know if you've got problems or demons. Nobody wants to see that. Put a filter on your social media and make it look pretty. And all we want is the pretty picture to 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 talk about and to see what you, what kind of life you live and what that looks like and by us revealing these raw stories uh, and telling the the truth we are breaking through so many stigmas so many stereotypes and uh, empowering each other and that's something that made has done through the tv series and through the book and I think that's something we are all, we all have the potential to do in our own story. Absolutely. Probably my best way of working through my healing. It has mm-hmm. enabled so much and has led to so many good things happening in my life. And that's why I liked the writing that Alex was doing, because although her writing was different, she was writing stories she was sort of escaping through those stories, telling the stories of the people that she was seeing, but I still saw it as her way out, Mm -hmm. her way out of what she was feeling with everything she was experiencing. And then also that ability to to go to college and Mm -hmm. create a better life because of her writing talent. So I thought, I thought that was a really, really important story that was happening, you know, in the back. Right. And that ultimately, you know, got a, this book from it. You know, I, I mean, that is kind of the, the story that they don't need to tell for us to realize um, that's what's come out of this. You know, she was able to take all, all of it, you know, the really hard times and the really great times and everything she was trying to achieve for herself and her daughter And she was able to turn it into a book that others could read and feel a connection to and see their own stories from from within those pages. And what a powerful opportunity that was able to come from some really hard days Mm -hmm. and some big struggles. And we're all better for it, right? Now we've got this incredible book and and TV show that is bringing us together so we can connect our own stories to them. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So with every episode, I always try to leave listeners with one thing that they can take away from the episode. And I think, I think the one thing that I'd like them to take away from this episode is something that rings true for both of us you know, through your writing, through the stories that I share is brutal honesty and the importance of being real open and honest as your way forward your way to heal is 
that brutal honesty is critical, I think. Yeah, at the unfiltered truth, whatever that looks like, or however you want to convey that, you know, whether it's in a diary or out loud, it doesn't matter, but you have a right to your story and you have a right to tell that story. And it's a gift. It's a gift that no one can take from you. No one can take from you the opportunity to put your story onto paper. That was very eloquently said. Thank you, Celeste. You're <laughs> better than my ramblings. <laughs> Stop. <laughs> You're definitely the author. I always like to leave on gratitude. Yeah. I start the day with gratitude. I end the day with gratitude. And I end every episode of this podcast with gratitude. So could you share with us, what's one thing that you're grateful for today? I guess to circle it back to our earlier conversation, I am grateful that every, every time I just tried to do the next right thing, it has brought me to where I am today, sitting here with you, two healthy children downstairs, screaming bloody murder, a family that I've always hoped for and the gift to be able to share my writing. Every time that I have made a concerted effort to do the next right thing, it's never, it hasn't necessarily felt, sometimes it didn't feel good at the time, but it got me here. So it worked. <laughs> I'm still here. I'm still breathing. I have a 100, what did they say? You have, I have a 100% success rate of surviving. And uh, that's, that's good enough for me. And um, I'm so grateful to be here with you today. Yes. Wonderful. Thank you so much. And I'm, I'm very grateful to have you here as well. I've enjoyed your writing for quite some time now. And to be able to sit here and have a conversation with you is, this is a good day. This is a really good day. Oh. <laughs> and Thank I'm you. Kim, this that. is so fun. I, I love what you're doing. I think what the message that you, that you convey through this podcast is so important. I have a lot of people who write me saying, what about the partner of the addict? How, how do they get support? And I think this is, I mean, this is what you're doing and it's, it's a gift to so many. Thank you. Thank you very much. I will be posting the links to your blog, I've published a book. So I will let people know about your book. And so everybody look, look up Celeste read her words because they're wonderful and I think that if we all practice telling telling our story and being more truthful with our story being brutally honest I think that's the path to smiling again yeah and on that note I'd like to say thank you for joining me today and I hope we can do this again another time thanks Kim this has been smiling again hosted by me, Kim Moore. Let's walk this journey together, one thing at a time, taking small steps, little actions every day, which can help you let go and start smiling again. Don't forget, subscribe on your favorite podcast platform, including Spotify, Google Podcasts, and Apple Podcasts. See you next week.